Before we get started with the show today, I want to spend a minute saying thank you to Susan Salter. Susan has set up a monthly donation of $20 per month. Thank you so much for your very generous donation, Susan. Thanks to the other donations we have received as well as yours, I've been able to purchase a new-to-me laptop. It is in better overall condition and faster than the laptop I've been using to produce and edit the show, and it's going to help me produce more content in less time. So thank you so much to all of our other donators as well, and special thank you to Susan Salter for that very generous monthly donation. If you would like your own shout-out on the Messy Studio Podcast, stop by www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the Donate button. You can set up a recurring monthly donation like Susan did, or a single-time donation for literally any amount. Once again, that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the Donate button. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about ideas for your bookshelf. In our last episode, we talked about the role of art-related books in the lives of artists and the importance of ongoing efforts to educate ourselves about our field. Today, we will look more specifically at the titles and authors recommended by artists, responding to Rebecca's recent Facebook post, asking for input about significant art-related books, as well as some of Rebecca's own recommendations. This is a follow-up of our previous episode, so if you missed that one, uh, we suggest that you go back and just have a listen to that last episode uh, before listening to this one. That's going to give you some some groundwork for uh, kind of the categories of books that you should be looking at when you're choosing books for your bookshelf and, and so on. So with me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. What, what came through very strongly in that online poll on Facebook that was discussed in the last episode was really the diversity of what artists were reading and how passionate they were about their recommendations. So the last episode, we went through these broad categories of books as well as why they're important to artists. And today we're going to get specific. Um, these are titles that were uh, mentioned in the Facebook post, and most of them I went and looked up more about them if I didn't know them, got the author's names and so on if they weren't mentioned. And some of them I'm, I'm familiar with and will recommend as we're going through this. So the first category of things I want to talk about are the art history and art movement related authors who have gone into specific periods of times or the lives of specific artists and so on. So the I'm just going to go through some titles and a little bit of commentary. The first one I want to talk about is called Kiki's Paris, Artists and Lovers by Billy Kluver. And it's about the art scene on Montparnasse in uh, Paris in the early 1900s, 1900 to 1930. Um, this was one of the first international or perhaps the first international artist colony on Paris, on the left bank, and included figures like Picasso, Modigliani, Matisse. Um, and it it's it sounds intriguing, you know, it's kind of perhaps a little gossipy or something, I'm not sure, but it sounds like a fun read. Um, Overlay by Lucy Lepard, significant book for me early on in my journey as an artist uh, in my formative years. It's It's a classic book. It's back in print now. 
And it's about the parallels between um, prehistoric art with its symbols and connection to the earth and things that are going on in contemporary art or contemporary at the time this was written, which I think was in the 80s. Um, has interesting illustrations and just very stimulating if you like that sense of ancient history and you're drawn to that. There were three books about abstraction that were mentioned, um, two of them I'm familiar with. One called Pictures of Nothing by Kirk uh, Varnady, and that is Abstract Art Since Jackson Pollock. Uh, the next one I want to talk about a little bit in depth called The Spiritual and Art Abstract Painting from 1890 to 1985. Uh, and, and note that early date because abstraction goes back way back further than a lot of people realize. This uh, book is still available in, in used copies and it's it's out of print, I think. But I saw the exhibit that this book was based on back in the 80s, and it was really influential for me in my own work and understanding abstraction. Uh, the exhibition and the book included work by Hilmar Klint, Kandinsky, lots of other people, excellent essays for understanding um, the very beginnings of abstraction in Western art. It, it's very powerful. Um, Kandin so wait a minute, what... Uh what what point of uh, of your life was this when you saw this uh, oh, exhibit? This would have been, um, I believe, I saw the exhibit in nineteen eighty four, eighty five, somewhere in there. Um, I was just trying to learn about abstraction, so it was a really impactful show. And had had you been doing abstraction before that show? Um, yes, but I didn't. I was really struggling. And this, it really, um, it showed me so much about that, that this abstraction is, can be spiritually based and however you conceive of that word, spirituality, but it's emotional, it's out of your own experience, it can be theoretical, it just opened my mind. And, um, and, and at the time, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, and I bought the catalog at the show, and I never regretted it. It's, it's one of my favorite books of all time. So, And I know it's a little bit hard to get now, but there are um, used copies floating around out there, so you could look it up. Um, again, that's called The Spiritual in Art, Abstract Painting, 1890 to 1985. Okay, so it was after 1985. That's the end date of the exhibit. Um well, it was probably that year, 1985. The last one in that kind of uh, group is Kandinsky's book concerning the spiritual and art. Again, a great classic book. Um, not easy reading, but for me, it was one of those books where you kind of dip in, pick up a sentence or two and contemplate it. <laughs> I, I certainly did not read it cover to cover, and I kind of want to at some point, but it's a it's an important book. Um, there were a couple of books about contemporary work that were mentioned. One is called My Art World by John Seed. Um, he's a uh, an art critic who used to write for the Huffington Post, reviewed my work at one point. Um, Friend of the show, John Seed. <laughs> yes, he is. And a lot of people are connected with him because he's constantly reaching out to artists in the contemporary world and um, offering ideas and all kinds of things. Anyway, this book is, I'd like to read this, a collection of articles about the contemporary art scene by John Seed. And another one that sounds 
interesting and a bit quirky is by a guy called John Marcella Grant called Discovering the L.A. Art World. And it's a story of how he managed to get personal interviews with um, a number of important artists in L.A. just by asking them, I guess, or seeking them out, saying, could I talk to you? Um, I didn't get a lot more information about the book, but it sounds like somebody who had a, a great idea and followed through and probably had a bit of um, nerve going after these people, but uh, managing to get interviews and so on. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the books that were mentioned about or by specific artists. Um, as a general idea, you can probably find a book about just about any well-known artist that you're interested in, and a lot of lesser-known ones as well. Um, I mentioned in the last episode how catalogs of exhibits are often available, and when you see a show, you can read more about it, etc. So the one book that was mentioned more than once, and I, I was surprised that there wasn't more multiple mentions of different books, but this book is very popular right now. It's called Ninth Street Women by Mary Gabriel. Um, recently published, and it's about five abstract artists that played really important roles in New York in the 1950s and early 60s, I guess. And that's Lee Krasner, Elaine de Kooning, Grace Hardigan, Joan Mitchell, and Helen Frankenthaler. Highly recommended by a lot of people. I haven't read it myself, but definitely it's on my list. Uh, another person mentioned, in general, artist bi biographies by two authors, Ross King and Irving Stone. I know Irving Stone wrote The Agony and the Ecstasy about Michelangelo, so um, very interesting fictional accounts, I think, of, of artists from the past. Sean Scully's book, Inner, was mentioned, and this is a collection of his writings and interviews. It's, it's interesting to me that a lot of artists are good writers, and they... They know how to write about their work. They know what they want to say about it. And I and he's one that is quite respected as a writer, Sean Scully, Irish artist, abstract artist. Um, one that I'm reading right now, Agnes Martin, Pioneer, Painter, and Icon by Henry Martin, not a relative. And this is considered one of the best researched and detailed books about Agnes Martin, her life, her development. It's He talked to a lot of her... Um, friends, associates, family, and it's quite detailed. But she's a fascinating character. And because I live in the winter near Taos, where she lived, I feel some connection to her, as well as I've always really liked her work. Um, an artist uh, who personally knew Lawrence Carroll, was a, he was an influential abstract sculptor who died last year, and he's written several books. And um, a lot of people, when he died, I didn't know who he was. And I looked him up and I realized he's somebody that's been influential for a lot of people. It's kind of minimalist, materials-oriented sculpture. And I did see some of that recently um, in person and I, I liked it. So he interests me now and I didn't know about him before. Memoirs are a big category. Um, and the memoirs that were mentioned were not always about visual artists. And this points out the fact that anybody who works in a creative field has things to say about creativity and their process in life that go beyond their medium or their own field of expression. Uh, Sally Mann's a photographer, she's a photographer, her memoir called Hold Still is, was mentioned, and I I read this and really liked it. Um, she was a bit controversial in her work, 
and her use of her own children as models and other things that she photographed. And she just, it's just really interesting to hear her take on all of this. So I, I enjoyed that book. The Dancer is Adora Duncan. Her memoir, My Life, was mentioned. That's another one that I have not read. Patti Smith, the musician, has written several books about her life. Um, Just Kids is a famous one. And there's one that's come out recently that uh, was mentioned. And this one gets kind of mixed reviews because it's kind of apparently rather rambling, but it seems like an interesting topic. It's called Old in Art School, A Memoir of Starting Over by Nell Painter. And she went for her BFA and then her MFA in painting at the Rhode Island School of Design when she was in her 60s after retiring from a career as a professor in history at Princeton University. So she's kind of reinventing herself in her 60s and by going to art school. So that one's pretty intriguing. Um, An author who was influential for me was uh, Anne Truitt. She's a sculptor, a minimalist sculptor from the Washington, D.C. area. And she wrote three memoirs, but the most well-known one is called Daybook, and the others are called Turn and Prospect. And these are journals of her life, and they start out when she's a young mother. And when I read them, I was a young mother. And knowing, reading about how she incorporated her life as an artist with her role as a parent was really interesting to me. And I remember there's a scene where she's going to buy wood. She gets an idea for a a sculpture. She wants to go and buy some wood at the hardware store. And there's just this little image of her lifting her toddler up on the counter while she's discussing what kind of her needs for this sculpture are with this guy behind the counter. And I just thought, yeah, you know, it's it can be done. (laughs) And it's... (laughs) It was really inspiring to me, actually. Um, Her focus, her seriousness, and you feel like you're right there with her as she navigates all these aspects of her career, which goes on to be, it was very well known. She had exhibits um, in, I think it was the Corcoran Gallery in D.C. She goes on quite a bit about her exposure to the art world, meeting different artists, and so on. Uh, So those are great books. They're, I think, I'm sure they're still in print, but they were written quite a while ago. A big category of work that people mentioned were inspirational books about creative process, creativity in general. Um, And these were also included some novels, actually. They were books that deal with the themes of beauty and the drama of life and that were somehow moving to the people that read them and recommended them. And they are definitely worth mentioning. And one is The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. I know a lot of people have read this book. I have not. Um, And a more obscure one, I guess. uh, Lawrence Durrell wrote The Alexandra Quartet. And this book, it's several books in one, I guess, and just talks about living and loving and enjoying life and so on. Apparently quite beautifully written. I know he's a well-known author. A few of the other ones that came up that are not always about visual art, um, Anne Lamott, who's a well-known writer, wrote a book about writing called Bird by Bird, and this was recommended. I read this one a long time ago. I don't really remember it, but it is about the process, I think, of, of just taking things step by step and observing. 
there's one about gardening called A Gentle Plea for Chaos. <laughs> Gotta love that title. Uh, by Mirabelle Osler. And I, I don't know the book, but the title says a lot to me. <laughs> Uh, one I have read and, and recommend, Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp, dancer, choreographer. And it's all about creative life and sticking with things, following through. It's very, um, it's a beautiful, inspiring book. And one of my very favorites was mentioned, and this is called Free Play. The author is Stephen Nachmanovich. And he's a, a jazz musician. And if you think about the title uh, and the relationship to jazz, you know, there's a a part of jazz that's improvisational where each um, musician takes a turn. They're anchored in some sort of theme. They're anchored in some sort of structure, but it's improvisation. And he just talks about, he doesn't talk that specifically about music. It's more the idea of uh, playing with ideas. And it's it's really good. I, I often recommend that when I teach workshops. And I think all those books kind of show that creativity transcends the particular medium or genre that you work in. It's the, the basic core of what you're doing applies to so many different ways of working. So there's an Irish artist called Nemo Connor, and she made a YouTube video uh, that included her recommendations in this kind of category. And it's fun to watch. Um, if you if you get on YouTube and just Google her name, uh, Neem O'Connor, um, you'll get, she's Irish. So Neem is spelled N-I-A-M-H. I'm, I'm laughing at, I'm laughing at get on YouTube and Google. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Get on, what do you call it? Get on YouTube and search. Okay, search. search. <laughs> it's called searching. <laughs> Okay, that was our moment of hilarity here. Um, <laughs> search on YouTube for Nemo Kano's commentary about her her recommendations, and she also has this. She talks about it in such a great way, like why she likes these books and why she wants to read art books and so on. But she includes the the very classic book called Art and Fear. The subtitle is Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making. So I think we can kind of all relate to that. Um, it's by David Bales and Ted Orland. This book has sat on my bookshelf for some time without me ever reading it. But <laughs> <laughs> It's good that you can admit this. I do admit this. Um, the title to me was actually kind of off-putting, Art and Fear. Um, uh, but yeah, I should read it because a lot of people really like this book and I think I think the subtitle saying uh, the perils and rewards of art making. Well, that's that's a little more open, maybe. <laughs> um, Neem also recommended one called Letters to a Young Artist, and the subtitle is Straight Up Advice for Making a Life in the Arts. Arts plural, because this book includes um, stuff from people in all kinds of areas, like music and drama. Um, the author is Anna Smith Devere. Um, I should mention there's a book with that same title, not the subtitle, but Letters to a Young Artist by Julia Cameron. Nobody mentioned that one, but she's a really good author, so I suspect that's a an excellent one as well. And Neem also mentioned What Would You Be If by Patricia Fitzgerald. And um, she found this to be a really inspiring book. So you should watch that little YouTube thing and... Um, 
and she's she's great. Um, so another book that I guess is this kind of in this kind of general category of creativity and inspiration is one called World Enough and Time on Creativity and Slowing Down. And it's by Christian McEwen. And it's studies of the lives of creative people and advice on nourishing creativity. I'm sorry, I don't know much more about that one. I just, I'm just, some of these I just look up and I wanted to flesh out a little bit what they're about. So that's what I got for that. But here's one that I always do recommend strongly, and it's called Trust the Process by Sean McNiff. I always recommend this um, for my students and for anybody. Uh, the title kind of says it all there, too. The, the process, it's this, you know, understanding that we have intuitive logic within us. And lots of times, it's what we need to trust. We question, we second guess, we have hesitation about trying things. And this book is really inspiring in saying, hey, go for it. Um, there's one mentioned by Elizabeth Gilbert. A lot of you would know her as the author of Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote one called Big Magic. Um, I'm going to admit here, I I started reading it and I didn't read it. <laughs> I can't remember why. It Somehow it wasn't me, but uh, recommended by someone uh, uh, on Facebook. We should make a whole list of uh, recommended books that you didn't read. <laughs> Hey, we only have so much time. There are a number of these, though, that I'm very interested in. <laughs> and I'm going to add to my bookshelf of, of, of the ones that make me feel like I don't read enough, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and listen to the other podcasts, because we kind of talk about this idea of you can acquire books that takes you a while to get around to reading them. That's perfectly all right. And maybe you don't right. read them. Or you can pick through bits and pieces of them and it's, it's okay. You don't need to sit down and, and read the whole thing in one sitting or anything. <laughs> right. Um, and there was, I came across an article that was something about the, the actual presence of books in your life, even if you don't read them all add something to your life because it, it's like this little background reminder that there's a big world of thought out there and um, just having them piled up here and there can make you feel somehow connected to that, but it's good to read them as well. Well, and they definitely make you look smarter to your friends <laughs> oh, absolutely. to have them piled up around. Oh, yeah. And in your studio, you know, if you have a big bookshelf full of art books, looks great. So, okay. That's getting really superficial, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Onward. So Robert, now his last name is spelled in a French way, Henri or Henry. He actually, um, he took that name on, uh, I think, to look more artistic. H-E-N-R-I. He's a well-known painter, figurative It painter. works. It works. I'm going to call him Henri. I don't know. Robert Henri wrote a well-known book called Art Spirit, and that is a good one. Um, it has a lot to do with figurative painting, so if that's your thing, definitely read it. But even as an abstract painter, I got something out of it about just approaching composition and so on. Here's one called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. And this is kind of a quick read of, of thoughts about creativity, and it's quite useful um, just to kind of spark something. Uh, it includes... You can tell from the title includes the idea of um, embracing influence, uh, the subject of one of our recent podcasts. 
Uh, we all do a little of that. Um, a couple of other ones that were mentioned, Brave Intuitive Painting by Flora Boley. I don't know that one. Uh, this one by Stephen Imony, though, I do recommend often. It's called Expressive Drawing. Um, very nice book, lots of illustrations and ideas for loosening up, becoming more spontaneous in your work. Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, that's Betty Edwards' very classic book. Um, and very interesting. A lot of you will know that one. You've probably had it in art school. If you've been to art school, if not, lots of people have this book and talk about it. All of these books that I just mentioned here include very, they include specific exercises. They're like um, little courses and things that you can try, and they're very valuable that way. So a few more inspirational books on kind of art and life, one called Dancing with the Gods by Kent Nurbaum. And this one, again, I don't, I'm not familiar with it, but what I read about it says it's about the deep issues that artists deal with, persistence, uncertainty, joys, and stumbling blocks. Um, looks pretty interesting. The Invisible Embrace of Beauty by John O'Donohue. Um, great Irish writer and philosopher. Many of you know John O'Donohue's work. He's written lots and lots of books and, and poetry and prose, and any of them are inspirational. I really like his work a lot. Um, look up his poem, Google his poem, excuse me, um, called, <laughs> <laughs> he has a wonderful poem called For the Artist at the Start of the Day, <laughs> one I like to read to my students. Um, just a, Google it on YouTube. What's that? Google, I said on, Google it on YouTube. Well, and there's probably like him reading it. I mean, YouTube is great for uh, for poets and, and hearing people read their work. Um, here's one called The Unknown Craftsman, A Japanese Insight into Beauty by Setsu Yanagi. And this is an examination of traditional folk art in Japan and its importance and why why we should care about um, things that are not part of the, like the fine art world. They're more craft oriented. And then the last one in this category that was mentioned is called Landscape and Memoir by si Simon Shama. And it is about the history and culture of our own human interaction with the landscape. And I believe it's a series of different sort of short essays and um, different perspectives on that topic. So that looks really good too. Uh, last category, technical information and technical background about specific art materials. Uh, several artists mentioned books about color and the history of color, um, paint, how paints are made, how colors are uh, sourced and their role in art. And Anne Jackson left a long list, including books by Joseph Albers and David Horning on the Facebook post. Others, uh, The Secret Lives of Color by Cassia St. Clair, A Natural History of the Palette by Victoria Finey. Um, color is something you can delve into endlessly <laughs> if you're interested in that. There's so much written about it. Um, a good book that is not well known at all, but I, I know it's very well regarded, it's called Living Craft, A Painter's Process by Tad Spurgeon. And he has done exhaustive research on oil painting methods, oil painting materials, mediums, 
Um, it's quite a thick book. I think you need to go to his website to order it. I'm not sure where it's available, but he's got he's got this little niche of admirers, you know. And um, again, I have not seen this book, but um, one of my friends knows him and is highly recommends this book. Um, one that Neem O'Connor mentions on her um, YouTube that looks really interesting to me is called How to Write About Contemporary Art by Gilda Williams. And I'm just going to read a little short review here about that book. And this is a re review by um, the director of the Serpentine Gallery. Williams has created an illuminating, engaging, and urgent guide to contemporary art writing. While this is clearly essential reading for art students and those at the start of a career in art writing or criticism, it is equally invaluable invaluable for anyone involved in the art world that needs to transmit information and ideas in written form about contemporary art. So that's basically all of us. <laughs> that's his review. And I think, yeah, true. You know, um, we've done podcasts about, about writing about art and speaking about art. And this looks like a very good reference book to me. Yeah. And, and of course, you have written a book in the kind of technical category. I have? Really? What's that one? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Plug for my own book, co-authored with Jerry McLaughlin, um, Cold Wax Medium, Techniques, Concepts, and Conversations, published by Squeegee Press. Um, and, you know, the story behind that was I, neither one of us was interested in it being only a technical manual. And so we, we very much expanded to include... Uh, lots of stuff about artists working in cold wax um, and background about how to get going and um, visual elements and all this stuff. So it is a pretty long book. I think it's 320 pages. Um, but it is um, it is the most comprehensive book about cold wax medium out there. So, okay, done advertising my own book. <laughs> Um, shameless, just shameless <laughs> self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion in action. <laughs> All right. So do you have any final thoughts to, to wrap up this episode then? Sure. Yeah. The, I, obviously, when you put something on Facebook and you say, leave comments, you know, it's kind of a random sample. Uh, I am very grateful to everyone who responded. This is a really wonderful and exciting list to me. Um, I mean, I don't think that it's a random sample at all. I, I think that our listeners are the best, and so we just get the best recommendations. <laughs> there you them, go, so. there you go. And I, I do, I love it when people respond to these queries that I put up there once in a while on Facebook because, you know, we want to know who's listening and what you care about, and this is one way to do it. So, hopefully, this list has given you some ideas for some new reading material. Um, and I, I guess I also want to mention here that. Um, you know, art books do tend to be expensive, especially the nicely, really nicely, well-illustrated ones. But check sources for used books, because some of the ones that I have bought definitely I uh, did not pay full price for. Um, there are used listings for a lot of books on Amazon. And there's another online source called Abe Books that a lot of people use. And they have, they seem to specialize in art books, used books. Um of course, you know, share your books. That's great. Um, but I would say put your name in it uh, inside the cover and check up on that loan before very long because there are so many tales of woe of books that were loaned out to other artists that 
never came back. <laughs> Perhaps. Well, and, and <laughs> I was going to. I know that we're just past Christmas, but uh, books do make a, a really good gift for the artists in your life. Um, and uh, and just sharing them willingly with people is is a really good practice. And um, as you say, it's a good idea if you want that book back to put your name in it and follow up on it. Yep, they um, they get buried but, in people's messy studios, honestly. <laughs> right, right. But but we should be sharing with our artist friends, and and also uh, sharing this episode of of the show with a friend would be a good idea, or or another episode that you think that they might like. Um, but uh, it's a it's a really good idea to just have that network with people where um, you know you can recommend things to each other yeah um, and it's it's just a great way to to stay close with people and um, be able to to help each other out yeah well said okay well that about wraps up this episode of the messy studio you can find the messy studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself Ross Tickner please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space. Messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. 